Six days after Jesus took with, after this, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured in front of them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white, and suddenly there appeared to them Moses, Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, this is good. It's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground and they were overcome with fear. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up, do and when they looked up, they saw Jesus and no one else except him alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Listen for the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if I were to ask you to point to the love of God in the mural that you're looking at, the love of Jesus, the love revealed in the Christ. Would you point up to the blue sky and the, the, the figure of the transfigured G? Or would you point down here to the bottom where the people are? And remember, it was Jesus who said, Have you done it to the least of these? You do it to me. Transfiguration, uh, uh, the paradoxical pivot. Say that with me. Paradoxical pivot. Come on. I like saying that. It's a paradoxical pivot in the life of the church in, the, in, in our teaching the world about the love of God because it transitions us from, uh, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, from the manger to the cross. This afternoon, I'm going to be teaching the first of an eight-week class on the fundamentals of Christianity to a group of young people who have expressed the desire to join the Church of Jesus Christ here at First United Methodist Church. We call it confirmation class. It's a, it's a, it's a whole process of trying to teach the love of God to young people as they come from childhood into adulthood about what it means to be part of the church. Now, I wish I had eight weeks to teach adults these fundamentals, but uh, we work it in with the kids because they're a little bit more compliant than adults are. Um, I'm going to teach them about the Bible. I'm going to teach them about the Trinity. I'm going to teach them about the church um, the body of Christ. I'm going to ask them, you know, what part of the body might you be? Are you an arm or a leg or an ear or an eye or a foot or a toe? I'm going to help them to discern what their gifts might be and how they might offer their lives to Christ in the service of the world through the church. All this in just eight short weeks. But most of all, I'm going to teach them about, I hope to teach them about Jesus. 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 The all and all. 
knowing Jesus, the fullness of the love of God, how, can, how they can live in the love of God their whole lives long, even unto eternity. That's really what I want to teach them, how to live in the love of God their whole lives long, even unto eternity, by receiving this grace that comes into our lives unbidden and undeserved. If I can just teach them about Jesus. But you know, they've, they've already learned a little bit about Jesus by, by watching church people, preachers, church leaders, congregants, their parents, their neighbors, their friends, their family. They've learned a lot about Jesus by the people who espouse to be followers of Jesus and to teach them about this grace. It is no small task, but they're already learning it. They've already learned by watching us. Perhaps one of the most difficult things uh, to learn about the love of God in Jesus is how in him we come to know the truth and the power and the depth of love. And the real, the real message of the love of God, that the love of God is both. The love of God is both. It's all of it. The big picture of love. Love is the joy and the wonder, the lights and the glitter of Christmas. But love is also the suffering and the redeeming and the struggle of Lent, Holy Week, and Good Friday. It's both. Tell me about love. Then look at them both. From Jerusalem and Calvary back to Bethlehem, somehow the love of God in Jesus Christ is revealed. So this Sunday's Transfiguration Sunday, when we do that paradoxical pivot in the church, we're doing a paradoxical pivot where many Christians grapple with this secret that Jesus told the disciples, now don't tell anybody what you just saw up there because they're not ready for it. It's a paradoxical pivot. Keep the secret till Resurrection Day. The secret that somehow Jesus is fully human and fully divine. That in Jesus the fullness of the love of God dwells. Jesus is the human baby born in Bethlehem. Jesus is also the Savior of the worlds whose redeeming love restores all creation. He's both. The incarnation of the love of God, not just way up there in the blue part of the mural, but also down here in the dark part of the room. That's all Jesus. The beauty is that we don't have to let go of the baby in the manger in Bethlehem in order to hold on to the cross. They both reveal the love of God, and church people, Christians, embrace them both. Symbols are some of the best ways to embrace these because these are big ideas. This afternoon, uh, we're going to, Dave, right, Dave, right, right. I'm not going to go up into the attic anymore. I will never go up there and hang stars. Dave will do that. He's, we're going to take that star down today. Won't be there. Won't be there. Today we're going to take the star down and we're going to begin lifting up the cross. Oh, yes, that other symbol of the love of God in Jesus Christ. The star, that love that comes to us from distances far beyond our fathoming and inspires us to give us hope. And the cross, the love of God close up right in your grill that tells us the truth about ourselves, 
our brokenness, our capacity to do good and evil, and the love of Christ to overcome it. And this is a lot to take in in just eight weeks, especially if you're 13 years old. So we're going to do what we can and trust that God will plant the seeds that need to be planted. The truth is that we are always trying to take in this knowledge of the love of God, the dual nature of Jesus for you theologians. The Jesus of Christmas and the Jesus of the cross of Calvary that reveals the depth and the breadth of the love of God for this world. And we grapple with that in our lives as Christians, in front of a world that does not get it. You are a peculiar people. You are a people who claim to be love, embodiment of the love of God through Jesus Christ. On Sunday, we're going to have, on Wednesday, we're having Ash Wednesday service, the beginning of Lent. And this is the time where we're going to, you know, if you come, we're going to put a cross on your forehead and you're going to wear it proudly around, and people will see that you are the people of the cross. What's that all about? You say it's the love of God. A cross? Really? Stars are better. Christmas is better. But not so if you really understand the nature of divine love, the redeeming quality. One thing that I love best about Transfiguration Sunday is, is, is how the disciples, namely Peter, when, the, when all this happened in front of them, they've been hanging around with Jesus who called them to follow him, right? They're walking around, they're doing all the things with this Jesus. And all of a sudden, this, this rabbi they've been walking around with is transfigured before their eyes. I mean, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I wasn't there, you weren't there, but apparently something happened. And Peter says, this is awesome. I'm going to put up a tent, one for you and one for Elijah and one for uh, Moses, and we're going to hang out here. We're going to build a church. We're going to have an institution. We're going to make everything right just because we want to. That's what we do. If we get something good where love is revealed, we want to institutionalize it. And Jesus says, well, yeah, that's great. But come with me. And he walks them down into the world with all its brokenness and dysfunction and all the messiness that love really is. And he's basically saying, you know, worship and singing and praise all day long, that's great, and that is love, and that is the wonder of incarnation and Christmas and the lights and the tinsels and, and the decorations. But the love of God is also in the world, in the brokenness, in the darkness. And you Christians, you weird Christian people, you embrace them both. Come with me, he says. Let love divine become incarnate, not only above in heaven, but down here where the people are. You know, your families, your churches, your institutions. That's what we do. This week in the news, we heard about a very wonderful institution, the Boy Scouts of America, right? Declaring bankruptcy. Now, here's an institution that is good, is all about love and virtue. and, and, and what, What's not good about the Boy Scouts of America? Didn't we just do Boy Scout Sunday? You know, they're going to be here serving dinner tonight. And yet, they're going to go bankrupt because in the midst of that wonderful institution, there are broken people. Yeah. Yep. 
Today is also Safe Sanctuary Sunday. We're talking about the church, you know, and how in the church, when we walk into the building, we want to enter this loving, caring, safe place and just let the kids run wild and the older folks who are maybe having memory issues, they get to wander off too. And, and, and because it's the church, nothing bad will happen. So Transfiguration Sunday says, no, you, you can't just stay up in the clouds, you know, where we want to be. And when we build the tent and the institution, we have to be mindful that we're people and there is brokenness. But the love's there too. In fact, the incarnation of the love of God is expressed in how we care for one another. So one of the things that, that Alex and I want to continue to teach the congregation is when you come to this church in the middle of this city where the doors are sometimes open and people let people in and you're wandering around in the church, be aware of one another. Okay, yes, it's the church, it's a magic place, it's wonder, but it's also a place where people wander in. So one of the rules that we've asked the congregation to abide by is don't walk around alone. You know, when you see somebody by themselves, I give you permission to say, are you okay? Are you wandering around by your own because you need somebody to walk with you? That way we are kind of looking out for each other, okay? And don't be offended if you're walking around alone putting new candles on the altar and somebody says, why are you alone? That's love, okay? They're acknowledging that it maybe is a dangerous place in this world and even in the church, we got to look out for each other. This really is that dual nature of love that Christians proclaim. A God whose love is wonder and incarnate. A God whose love is far off and yet comes down right into the dust with us. In the world that wants to accuse and divide and indict one another, we Christians are the people who say, you know, the love of God connects us to each other in the light and the darkness, in Christmas and Lent. And so we're going to roll out of Christmas and through Epiphany and we're going to take the star down and we're going to begin raising the cross as emblematic of our embracing of the fullness of God in Jesus Christ, Son of God and human. And this is the wonder of the Christ. We in the church know how to sing and laugh and praise together in worship. We also know how to weep and grieve and endure together. And thereby the world does look at us and I believe they wonder about love. What kind of love really can do both? And so our message is it's the love of Jesus Christ both in Bethlehem and on Calvary. And we embrace it all. And so, as we enter the season of Lent, which, by the way, starts Wednesday, 7 o'clock. You know, so a lot of people don't do that, but if you want to practice a Holy Lent, which is a long-standing tradition for many Christians, you start it on Wednesdays. It's 40 days of devotion, okay? Uh, of service, of something you do to be emblematic of your walk in this love. Now, um, next Sunday, we're, our first Sunday in Lent, we're going to give you a kit 
to help those who want to participate in the Lenten devotion. The kit's going to look like this. It's a pot, and in the pot is going to be dust and dirt and soil. Okay? And then in the little envelope, it's going to be a seed. And we're going to invite you to take that home and put that seed under the ground, bury it dead in the dust, in the ashes. We're going to invite you through Lent to talk to that seed or sing to that seed or pray with that seed or take care. Just We don't prescribe what you have to do or give up or whatever for Lent, okay? Everybody gets to pick their own. But do something for this 40 days, and we're going to give you this little thing. And we're going to ask you to bring it back on Easter and see what God can do. And so this is the invitation to observe a holy Lent based on this idea that we embrace the fullness of the love of God in Jesus Christ, human and divine. Amen.